Or if all else fails, just hike the ball to Perry on Winfrey and let him go. Welcome back to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez. Full house today, Tyler and Corbin. Guys, how are we? Uh, doing good, man. Um, one day closer to the weekend. Excited to be joining you guys for another episode of the Mainline. And uh, should be a fun weekend. Hopefully the rain stays away. It feels like we've got about 10 inches of rain in the state of Oklahoma over the last two weeks. So um, hopefully the, that last little bit will be out of here tonight. We can have a good weekend. Celebrate the 4th. Yeah, guys. Uh, probably my favorite holiday of the year. So I'm pumped for an extended weekend. Shoot off some fireworks. I'm um, with you, Tyler. We're seeing a little bit of rain out here right now. But looks to be a great weekend ahead. Kind of like 80 degree weather. So should be a uh, great weekend ahead. Yeah, by this time next week, we will be within 60 days, within two months of the first game. It does feel a little bit like it's uh, sneaking up on us. And really, that's because there's been so much college football news in general this offseason, latest of which is today that uh, all the players can uh, profit off their name, image, and likeness. And so all of our eyes really have been on Spencer Rattler as uh, that really pertains to you know the biggest name uh, as far as OU athletes go. Uh, he just announced uh, about an hour and a half ago or so that uh, he does have an agent, which is kind of a weird thing to hear from a college athlete. And uh, earlier today, we also saw that he is now on Cameo for $125. So uh, would either of you guys consider buying a Cameo from Spencer Radler? So I'm not entirely familiar on what Cameo is. So is it essentially you're paying somebody to record like a video message type thing, like whether it's a happy birthday or congratulations or something like that. Exactly. Yep. I don't, I would, I would really hope that there's not another grown man out there that would choose to do that for their own purposes, but I could see where you would have like a, you know, know, maybe a dad or something like, okay, I'll, I'll spend a hundred dollars. I'll get Spencer to, you know, wish my kid, you know, little Tommy, happy birthday. I could see something being like that, how that would be applicable, but um, I pray to God that you know some of the guys our age and older, they're not using that for their own uh, their own personal gain. In an ideal world, Tyler, you're spot on. But we've all worked Meet the Sooners Day, and we've oh. all seen those guys that are older than us just rocking out to what was the Joe Mixon T-shirt a few years back. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that one. It's something along the lines of like basically like Joe Mixon was a savior. Uh, you know, it was just unbelievable. So. There are plenty of fans in every major fan base that not only will pay $125 for one cameo, but probably like multiple. There will 100% be a guy out there that gets Spencer Rattler to do like a good morning cameo, and he listens to it every single morning to start his day. That is absolutely out there. So you know, I, I would never do it, no chance, but there, he'll make plenty of money off of it. I can't remember the Joe Mixon t-shirt, but in the years that we did work Meet the Sooners Day, I do remember the one guy that got escorted out three separate times. You remember the guy he had the cape on, and he yep. snuck back in at three separate entrances? Yep. Um, so yeah, seeing him escorted out, that was pretty funny. But no, you know that there's people out there, and Adam, to, to me, I mean, throwing this back to you, I was expecting a lot more uh, out of the gate with this first day of NIL. Like I kind of thought it was going to be a frenzy. I thought you'd see more kids, um, you know, signing deals. You'd see more bigger companies getting involved, wanting to attach their brand uh, to, to these college athletes across all different sports. But I don't know. Day one was kind of a letdown. 
Well, you didn't see a whole lot of action as far as actual deals, but pretty much every athlete was posting some sort of scripted graphic about how they're looking forward to really connecting with the fans, uh, which was kind of funny. But uh, really, it was I think Derek King was maybe the only one that had something really significant, uh, $20,000. Bo Nix. Bo Nix. Okay. Okay. I mean, $20,000 for a moving company, I don't know how they're going to get the ROI on that. I think maybe there will be some adjustment as we go through this. Maybe we find out that you know Spencer Rattler's cameo is worth a lot more. He goes up considerably. He's already the highest paid college or highest uh, priced college athlete on cameo. Uh, Bijan Robinson, the next one down at 100. So I think there's going to be some feeling out, some balancing as this goes forward. And uh, Tyler, out of all of us, I would have thought you'd be the one that would love to get a Spencer Rattler like happy birthday message. But maybe, maybe we're jaded because you know we were so close to the program. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that strictly to you guys. Uh, but uh, kind of one of the things that was kind of crazy to me, and again, it's there's this this NIL thing. It's so complex. Like I don't know how anybody's truly gonna be able to wrap their mind around all the things that are going on. But you know, guys, we we talked about it before coming on the podcast. I don't know how whether it's the NCAA or, you know, each individual institution, how each university is going to be able to track and monitor all these different things that are going on um, with all their athletes on campus, like being able to track, uh, you know, the amount of money that's coming in. Is this all credible? Are they earning this money? Is it not being given to them? So that's going to be one of the, the I think, fun things that's going to be kind of interesting to watch because, you know somebody's going to get in trouble. It's, it's only a matter of time before somebody, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, pulls a Rhett Bomar, you know, takes in something for, you know, not not providing reciprocated, you know, services for it, not earning the the actual money. So it'll be fun to watch. But, no, Bonix, Sweet Tea, um, what was fun to see. My personal favorite on the day, uh, Arkansas wide receiver Trey Knox and his dog. He's got a Husky named Blue. They inked a deal with PetSmart. Like, how, how cool is that? Nice. Um, so, didn't really see that coming down the pipeline, but the fact that you're able to use your dog um, to, to ink a deal with PetSmart, make a little extra money. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see some companies come in, maybe with a guy like a Spencer Rattler that they know is going to be a big draft pick and say, hey, we'll sign you to a little more money than you're worth, but we're going to get three years out of you, knowing that the value is going to be significantly higher when he's the first round draft pick in a year or two. I wonder what that looks like. Because that that dramatically changes um, coming from a college athlete to a pro athlete. That is an entire different system when it comes to your name, image, and likeness. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out in the long term. And if my my guess would be that there wouldn't be a college athlete that signs a deal that goes past their college career. I just I don't think that would be something that would be wise it wouldn't happen for a lot of guys but there would be certain guys you know the next time you're tim tebow johnny manzel guys that didn't have huge nfl careers but are still very relevant today when they come up in the news um (laughs) if they're on tv or whatever it is that they still have advertising power and value so i think some companies could see that early and say hey let's bet a little bit on this and if it pays off pays off big for us because we were paying below value for a guy that's a major name. Well, looking at a guy like Baker or Johnny Manziel, Spencer Rattler, who, you know, once once their college career is over and they do choose to move into the next level of the NFL, your market value is going to go up whatsoever. So you almost have to wonder if on the legality side of it, you know, Spencer signing with an agent today, surely there's got to be something in his contract to where once 
you know, he either plays his last football game or the day that he gets drafted, essentially his existing contract that's tied specifically to the NCAA, like that's just voided, you know, at, you know, at that precise moment. But um, kind of one of the other things that I was thinking about, you know, on a smaller scale with this NIL was, you know, players, you know, receiving money for autographs, like whether it is a meet the Sooners day or, you know, even after, uh, a football game and the guys come out of the locker room, you know, you got the kids and the fans and the 60 year old guys that are coming up there wanting autographs uh, for, from these players. Are they going to sign for free or is it going to be okay? Show me the cash and, and I'll take it there. So that's kind of something on a smaller scale that I think is going to be uh, more frequently happening across all these different college campuses and football stadiums. Yeah. I mean, these next 12 months, I think it's just probably going to be a little bit of the wild, wild west as far as this whole thing is concerned. I don't think anybody has a great grasp as far as, how it's going to play out, how to monitor it, how to handle it. Guys, I thought this was a few months away at best from really starting to turn into something. And then all of a sudden earlier this week, it was like, oh, yeah, like they can start this tomorrow. I was like, oh, like we're just rolling with this. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I am curious. I'm going back to your previous point. Like I don't know the NFL's rules on what players can sponsor and what they can't sponsor. Um so I don't know if there could be overlap between like a deal they make in college. Could it continue if they go to the NFL? So like that whole thing is, is pretty interesting. I have to do some research on that to figure out if that's even possible um, based on like the NFL legalities. Technically, there are a lot of guys that sign deals before they ever get drafted. So they're technically not a part of the NFL at that point. So I don't know if that matters much, but I think that kind of ties into a great point. And Tyler, you, you posed this question, which I love is, um, you know, what OU athletes would have profited really big off of NIL in their time at OU. Um, they're obviously not with the program anymore. Um, so I'm curious who you had in mind for something like that. Well, I mean, I think the first couple that come to come to mind are pretty obvious. I mean, once, you know, once baked, I mean, the, 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 the amount of, you know, the amount of revenue, the amount of tension that, uh, well, let me back up, the amount of attention that he brought, not just to OU football, but the University of Oklahoma in general, the amount of revenue that his play on the field, his teams generated by fans spending money on tickets, concessions, merchandise. Um, I mean, I, I don't know as far as different sponsorships, something or different deals that he could have had in his time, whether it's a flag company after the Ohio State game, him signing with that, or um, you know, maybe like a Just Dance, him being an ambassador or a spokesperson, somebody endorsing something like that. But you've got to think that for a guy like Baker Mayfield and even maybe somebody like a Brian Bosworth 30 years ago, those would have been the – you know, the the cream of the crop in terms of these companies wanting to use um, those athletes to help, you know, further move along and promote their brand. So Baker would probably be number one for me. There's sky's the limit on what he could have had just in merchandise alone. I mean, how many times do we show up on game days and you see a number six, you know, crimson jersey all, all, all throughout the stadium? So just the amount of money that he could have made. I mean, I don't even know how you would begin to guess how you could calculate that. Yeah, I mean, Baker, I don't know if Kyler would have had quite as much just because the time that he was here. I think CD could have been up there, especially his last season. I mean, goodness gracious. I'm trying to think of anybody, and I'm not trying to, you know, bring up the whole, like, Mike Stoops era, but I'm trying to think of somebody on the defensive side of the ball that could have had any sort of impact. Um, and I'm kind of struggling to find one, to be totally honest. Uh, maybe an Eric Stryker, just because of the personality sake uh, that he, he came with. Um, just going back over the past, you know, decade or so i don't i don't know who could have even had a decent you know backing outside of just being you know a starter for the university of oklahoma football team i don't know if there's a guy that sticks out 
Yeah, for me, the guys are all offensive. Um, I think Adrian Peterson would have been uh, an absolute star at this. And really, I think to the guys that came on, had great first years, and then were sticking around for a couple more. So Baker, Adrian Peterson, uh, just because like I don't think guys are going to be able to do a whole lot during the season. Kyler Murray really wasn't much of a dude until game you know, three, four into the season. And at that point, how much time does he have to go and – make deals and do different money uh, making opportunities, maybe defensively, maybe like Teddy Lehman because he, he got the Superman catch and was still around for two more years after that. But yeah, I think defense is really tough. What about like a Kenneth Murray, someone with kind of an outgoing personality? Um, you yeah. know, obviously he was his first year under the Mike Stoops era and ultimately got better um, once Mike Stoops left town. But no, that could be one. I had a few others for some various you know, other sports, I mean, you look at basketball, Trey Young, Blake Griffin, Blake especially, you know, the high-flying dunks, um, you know, really captivating the audience. Uh, just imagining what if, what Buddy, you know, what if social media would have been around, you know, during Blake's time and um, some of those other guys back in the early to mid-2000s. Maggie Nichols was another one that I th- don't necessarily, you know, can't think right off the top of my head what some of the companies or, um, you know, various, you know, endorsements that she could have had, but just in her social media following altogether. I mean, just the the amount of opportunities that would be there for her to capitalize on that uh, from the tremendous following that she has with women's gymnastics would be one. Um, but yeah, Lauren Chamberlain maybe also would be another one too. Um, you know, she's got the outgoing personality, home run leader in the NCAA. You know, that could be, that, that could also be another good one. I genuinely think on a national scale, Maggie 100% could have competed with like Baker type money. Yeah, I have no doubt that that's true. With her following, she should have been an Olympian, and just like the scale, of like all the young girls and families that knew Maggie Nichols. I mean, I know Baker's a huge name, but in in her world, I mean, she was just as big, and gymnastics is is you know just as popular as, as ever. And I think she's been up there with similar money. I mean, to me, like in gymnastics, it's it's Simone Biles and then it's Maggie Nichols. Like it's it's one and two just like that. Um, but no, I, I, that's definitely going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, it's kind of seems to me like the NCAA just threw it together with some duct tape and said, here you go. Um, but no, it'll uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out over the next 12 months. Yeah, I think the NCAA definitely was like, yeah, go ahead, go for it. But- and Adam, before you move on, do want to give a shout out. So we were talking about some of the minor sports and Corbin, Adam, we were even talking about it in the group chat. You know, what does, you know, like a, now that Barstool Sports is getting their name uh, attached to these various athletes, Logan McAllister of the OU men's golf team, he is now a Barstool athlete. So uh, pretty, pretty damn cool. In fact, he's going to be associated with, uh, with Dave and, you know, Riggs and some of the four play guys. Uh, pretty pretty cool having a Norman guy being associated with Barstool Golf. Yeah, for sure. A lot of exciting things happening for current OU athletes. Unfortunately, on the downside, there are some athletes that are choosing not to come to OU. We're talking about Talon Shetron here. He uh, flipped this week his commitment from OU to OSU. He's, uh, I guess you'd consider a potential five-star wide receiver. He's a top 50 player in the nation uh, up at Edmond Santa Fe. Uh, Mike Gundy offered his, I guess not younger brother, they're the same age. They're not biological. They're both adopted. So they're in the same class. Uh, he uh, he offered his his brother, who's a tight end. I don't know if he's necessarily OSU good, but it was more of a play just to get Talon Chetron to commit uh, to OSU, and, and it worked. 
Yeah, I mean, kind of a uh, brilliant move by by Mike Gundy, you know, whether that was his intentions whatsoever, but, you know, they're definitely reaping the benefits of it now. But, no, like you alluded to, I mean, I, I think that Rivals has him listed as the number 17 ranked recruit in the country. So it's a significant flip for, for OU to lose a guy like that, especially to an in-state school. Um, that they've dominated over the last 100 years in Oklahoma State. You know, he's a six foot three, 185-pound receiver. I think he will more than likely. He's probably on track to get that fifth star but before he steps foot on campus. And, you know, losing him and Jordan Hudson a week ago, you know, leaving Luther Burden, the one guy that, you know, we've been hearing for a while, he was the one out of those three that if we had a decommitment, it would be him. So Lincoln Riley and, you know, Dennis Simmons have some work to do on that. But, you know, guys, when you get – when you get commitments from three to four guys in a certain position group early on in the recruiting period, I mean, you're, you're taking a huge risk by essentially telling everybody else that you've been recruiting up to that point, everybody else that's interested in coming and playing for your university, you're taking a huge risk by telling them that you're full. We don't have a spot for you. We're not interested anymore because essentially what OU is having to deal with right now, they're having to go back to the well and having to rebuild those relationships with kids that they ultimately told no four five, six months ago. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to tip your hat to Gundy, right? Like, what played? Uh, his brother, I think he only had a one other D1 offer, and that was Kansas State. And I'm pretty sure Kansas State was trying to do the same thing. If you look past that, I mean, the offer list is not good. And Texas I'm State. Sure, I'm sure the kid may end up being, you know, three, four years online, a contributor to Oklahoma State. But this was about Talon. Everybody knows it was about Talon. And I can speak, Talon grew up an OSU fan. I know that 100%, without a doubt, he grew up a poke. So I think things just kind of came together. You can't blame the kid for wanting to play with his brother, and his brother was never going to get an offer from OU. I wonder if it could have been like a preferred walk-on. I wonder if that would have changed things. Um, maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, Josh on the Sooner Scoop podcast, you know, earlier this week said it best. If, if you're actually wanting OU to compete with the big boys – you can't offer his little brother. You can't. And so um, it kind of stinks. There's nothing that Simmons and Riley could have done about this, but you're right. Now it has kind of put them in a difficult position of starting off a month ago. One of the best wide receiver groups in the entire country was headed to Norman. And now we're down to one of those guys. So we'll see how quickly uh, Riley and company can rebuild those bridges. Um, but I mean, guys, Wide receiver at the University of Oklahoma hasn't been an issue for quite some time, um, so I'm sure we'll be we'll be all right. Yeah, I'm not worried about it necessarily. Um, it's it's a frustrating for sure. And initially, I was kind of like, I get it. You know, I have a brother. I we went to the same uh, school. We roomed together at college. Like that was important for me. And um, you know, I gave up opportunities to you know do things with other people just specifically to do things with my brother. And so I get that. But at the same time, like if that was so important, why mm. wasn't Talon Shatron considering Kansas State more or Texas State or Tulsa or someone else that had offered Tabry? Like, why was it when OSU comes into the picture? I guess it's because he was a fan growing up. But well, and I'm pretty sudden, sure that makes a difference. I'm pretty sure that his family have OSU football season tickets as well. So they're you know they. They're, they're diehard poke fans. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you've got to applaud the guy for prioritizing family and wanting to play with his brother ahead of anything else. But I mean, I think the one thing that probably is leaving a little bit of a salty taste in, in OU fans' minds is the, and you can't help but shake your head 
at the thought that he's choosing not to follow in the footsteps of guys like CD, Shep, Hollywood, Didi. He's choosing not to go, not to you know, essentially catch balls from Caleb Williams and Malachi Nelson. Instead, I'm going to go up to Stillwater, and it's probably I'm going to be playing with Shane Illingworth um, for a, a coaching staff that's not near as good, damn sure not as good as what Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons and that offensive staff is doing on that side of the ball. So again, yeah. there's some give and take you got to understand it, but at the end of the day. He's an 18-year-old kid. This is a decision that he wanted. So, you know, fans, shut up about it and stop tweeting at recruits. My God, I'm sick of seeing that stuff. Yeah, you're right, Tyler. I mean, it's like he's only going to be the next Des Bryant or Tylen Wallace or James Washington. I mean, what a bunch of scrubs. No, and I mean... At the NFL level, though, <laughs> they have not panned out the way that OU receivers have. And I don't even think it's that close. Even a Des Bryant yeah. really like had a, had a good career, but... I mean, he he wasn't anywhere close to what, to in my opinion, what he was coming out of college. Des it's Bryant di- has a better NFL career than any current OU receiver, unless I'm missing someone. Kenny Stills is not as good as Des Bryant. Sterling Shepard's not as good. CD's still too young. Marquise is still too young. Yeah, I th- I think that if he would have gone to any other school. I think that it would have raised even more questions, but I think where you can kind of see his train of thought is, even though it is Oklahoma State, it's not a blue blood like OU, even you know in the same state. It's the fact that at his position group, OSU does have a track record of putting kids in the NFL at the wide receiver position. So if if he's good enough, it's it's not going to matter where he plays. You know, OSU is going to have a good enough quarterback that's going to be able to get him the ball. Um, but sorry, dude, you're just not going to win anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of solid OU receivers in the NFL. Uh, OSU has enough that they can compete there, in my opinion, in high schoolers' minds that they know those guys. Uh, Justin Blackman probably would have been a a major contributor in the NFL if he didn't get in his own way. Um, But, I mean, I kind of get it. You're you're an OSU family. You're you're close, so it makes sense. I'd have to go back. Who outside of Dez have they done? Like, that's great. Let's let's I can I can agree with that. Dez is of the two schools right now, at least in the recent history. Dez is the best wide receiver to be in the NFL. But after that, in my opinion, it's all crimson. Like yeah. I don't see another guy in there at this time. And I think uh, James Washington will have a solid career, but he's not going to do what CD's doing or what Hollywood's doing or even like hell, Mark Andrews is doing. Um, so I just yeah, give him the top spot. That's fine. But you look at the kind of the whole range of the picture here and yeah you're, you're kind of you are taking three to four years and you're thinking family first there but and and i probably would think the same thing if i was 18 years old but now i'm thinking like okay but then after that how am i going to take care of my family for the next 20 and that i wonder you know if things don't pan out at oklahoma state he doesn't get drafted as high as he hoped and i hope that isn't the case right like oklahoma kid want him to have success but you do wonder, was though were those three to four years of choosing family first? Did that cost me the next fifteen of like having my family taken care of? Only time will tell. Hopefully, it works out for the kid. Well, and not only do I have confidence that Lincoln and, and Dennis Simmons are going to be able to fill those spots in the recruiting class, but also if you don't, if you choose not to take a lesser value recruit, a lesser star recruit to fill that spot, 
You got the transfer transfer portal that's going to come up, and I guarantee you there's a large percentage of guys that are around the country in college football um, that would choose to go play on, in Lincoln Riley's system, especially with what OU's got at the quarterback position and potentially what they're going to be losing after this year. So, um, but no, wish him the best, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, to flip the script back to some of the guys that are on the team that are about to enter into fall camp in about a month here, uh, we wanted to take a look at each of the different major statistic categories, uh, rushing, receiving, sacks, tackles, interceptions. Not going to cover passing here because that's all going to basically come from one guy, so it's a pretty easy um, prediction there. But I want to take a look at each of these categories and just pick our guy that we think is going to lead the team in that particular area. So we'll, we'll kick things off with rushing yards. We've got a couple of guys to consider. Corbin, we'll start with you. Who is the guy that you're going to go with that's going to lead the team this year in rushing yards? Kennedy Brooks. That's my guy who I think is going to lead. He has been the bell cow for Lincoln Riley when he played. I know Tyler's shaking his head so I know he's going to pick Eric Gray. I There's a lot of past running backs that look and feel very similar to what Eric Gray was at Tennessee and they weren't utilized as well as they maybe could have been in this offense. Kennedy's the consistent guy. Yes, he's taking a year off, but based on what I've seen from those two backs, I got to give give the edge to Kennedy. Now, overall yards, Gray may take um, you know all of that when you consider like receiving as well, but pure rushing yards, Kennedy Brooks. With with the losses of Ramondre Stevenson, TJ Pledger, and you know, the Seth McGowan, OU's losing almost 85% of its running back production from last year. So they, I think that the obvious answer might be Kennedy Brooks, a guy who prior to opting out last year, he's coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. But you're right, Corbin, I'm going with Eric Gray. He was productive at Tennessee playing behind a makeshift offensive line uh, against the front sevens in the SEC week in and week out. So I think this year with Beanbow's group having a full offseason, having a full training camp to get the O-line ready to go, you're I think you're really going to see OU run the ball much better going into 2021. And so give me – I'm going to go with Eric Gray. He's a, he's a more superior athlete. He's faster. May not see the field as well as Kennedy Brooks does. But going into this year, I, I like Eric Gray over Kennedy Brooks. And, guys, that's still a hell of a one-two punch. I'm sticking with Kennedy Brooks as well. I think Lincoln has shown a pretty consistent track record of finding his guy, especially in the second half of the year, and just going with that one guy. So I do think Brooks and Gray will split carries to start the year. I think Gray will have more yards through the first half of the season. But I think he's a more versatile guy that you can still utilize in the second half of the year in other positions around the field, in third down situations, and so forth. And I also just like the fact that I think Brooks is a little bit um, in more of a workhorse type of guy that, you know, knock on wood, has not had injury problems. Eric Gray, I think, has a lot of flash. He'll be very exciting, but I'm not completely sold on him as being the leader just yet. Um, now, there's still Marcus Major in the wings. Trey Bradford just transferred in. Can you make an argument for either of those guys? No, I don't think... I definitely don't think you can make the argument for Marcus Major. I haven't seen, we haven't seen anything from Trey Bradford. I mean, I think that going into, I think at least going into week one against Tulane, it is Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. And guys, do you guys have any cause for concern given the fact that even though Kennedy Brooks did have two back to back thousand yard seasons, he was also running behind probably two of the best offensive lines that OU's had 
in the entire history of their program. So I don't think that we're expecting this year's offensive line, although I think they are going to be better than last season. There's not an Orlando Brown. There's not a Creed Humphrey on that offensive line. There's not a Drew Samia or a Ben Powers. So do you still trust Kennedy Brooks to be able to find those holes and average 10 yards of carry like he did those two years behind this offensive line group? In, in Big 12 play, maybe outside of a Texas, maybe West Virginia on, the, on as far as the defensive front, who's who's the elite defensive front this team is going to play in the, in the regular season? And to me, there isn't one. And so I still trust this O-line to get the job done because I don't think the defensive talent, the defensive front seven they're going to see up until a potential college football playoff or maybe Iowa State. Iowa State will test them. They've got a pretty good defensive front seven. But, like, outside of that, guys, like, Who's going to come in and push this O-line around? I don't think there's a team. I don't think that he'll average 10 yards a carry, but Eric Gray also has to run behind the same offensive line. So in this scenario for this question, I still am going to lean on Kennedy Brooks here. And I I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I'm, I'm assuming that the guy that's going to get the most yards is the guy you're thinking is going to get the most touchdowns as well. Hmm. Potentially. I mean, I think that Gray's more of a you know a big play threat than Brooks is, but I also don't see Kennedy Brooks being a guy that, you know, once you get down inside the 10-yard line, you're not going to line up in eye formation or single back set and hand him the football to run in between the tackles. I just don't think he's that type of guy. Uh, but we'll the, see. Is Major the answer there? It's Major or Jeremiah Anderson, Hall. Mikey Henderson? Yeah. Mikey Henderson, yeah. Yeah, because well, they're know. missing that big back. And if you look back at early 2020, that was a real problem. Mm-hmm. It's not having a guy in those tough yardage goal line situations that we could lean on. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, when Lincoln Riley kind of configures there, if he goes to the H-back spot. I don't really know where Mikey Henderson stands, to be honest, at this very moment of where he's actually going to play. Um, but that could be uh, an interesting fit as well of a guy who just on the rushing side of things is strictly there for those – tough yardage goal line situations may end up, you know, having more rushing touchdown than any of these guys. So I can see that absolutely happening um, just because you saw that a little bit with Stevenson last year. Now he had plenty of big time runs, but everybody knew you get into those tough goal line situations like Ramondre was getting the ball. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Or if all else fails, just hike the ball to Perry on Winfrey and let him go. So, <laughs> surely he can pick up a yard. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Will, will uh, he change out his thigh pads based on if he's on offense or defense? Yeah, he'll, he'll go for the uh, the lightweight ones for speed, I imagine. So, oh. um, moving over to receiving yards, some guys that have done some things, some guys that are a little bit uh, unproven but have high expectations. We'll start with Tyler on this one. Who do you think is going to lead the team in receiving yards? I think that because of what is returning to campus this year, I don't know how you could possibly feel confident picking anybody other than Marvin Mims. I mean, I know that Jaden Hazelwood, he is, you know, another year removed from from that ACL injury. But just looking at the total yards, he's such a big play thread down the field. And if if guys like Theo East and Jaden Hazelwood and even Mario Williams, if they are healthy and you can get Stogner back to the way he was playing before that Kansas game last year, you're not going to be able to, to double Marvin Mims. So that's a, night, a nightmare matchup. Um, especially playing out of the slot, you know, whether it's a linebacker trying to shade over the top of him or you get him one-on-one with a safety. Um, so in terms of receiving yards, because he's such a big play threat, um, I'm going to go with Marvin Mims this year. Theo Weiss. Uh, I think the focus on Ooh. Marvin Mims limits, limits him. 
Um, everybody knows after his freshman year what he did last season. And as great of a year as Marvin had, Theo had 80 less receiving yards. That's it. And so I think Theo Weiss could absolutely be the leader in receiving yards. I don't think he'll be the leader in receiving touchdowns, but I think he has an opportunity with the focus potentially being on Stogner and Mims. Weiss is kind of that potentially third or, excuse me, second or third option that could actually make a really big impact on this team. Austin Stogner missed a couple games down the stretch, and I think if he would have played, he would have had more yards than Theo Weiss uh, at the end of the year. And I wonder if we would be thinking differently about Weiss if he wasn't, uh, what would that be, second on the team in receiving yardage. Um, I, I'm hopeful that Weiss can have a big year, but I think I'm going to stick with the track record of Marvin Mims. Uh, just being a second year, having some growth there. Uh, I think that, you know, he could pick up more of the yards that uh, Rambo had early in the year. And so um, maybe Mike Woods is that guy. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm going to stick with Marvin Mims on that. And uh, as far as touchdowns go, I think I'm going to go with Austin Stogner just being the tight end. Yep. Yeah, I'm complete agreeance with there. The obvious answer maybe should be Mims. He led it a, a year ago, but Austin Stogner, especially during the first half of the season, he was Spencer's safety blanket, whether it was third down or in the red zone. We all remember the OU Texas play uh, in overtime, but no, I'm, I'm going to go with Stogner on this one. Um, he's a, Again, he's a nightmare matchup uh, when he gets inside the 20s. Going over to the defensive side of the ball, sacks. Uh, you know, defensive line, we've talked about them being the strength of, of the team going into next year. There's a couple of guys you could look at. For me, it's got to be Nick Benito. Uh, he led the team last year in sacks. Um, I guess we saw some discrepancies across a couple different sites on what his actual stat number was, but he had at least eight or nine sacks uh, last year. And I think he's going to be pretty hard to stop. I think he's one of those guys that is not going to rotate uh, off the field a ton, uh, nearly as much as some of the other guys. So uh, give me Nick Benito to lead the team in sacks this year. I'm going Isaiah Thomas. Uh, if we're going off of Soonersports.com, he was the sack leader last year. Um, <laughs> and there's no reason to think that he won't duplicate that. Um I think there's a lot of hype around Isaiah Thomas coming into next season, but there's more hype around Nick Benito. And so I think there possibly could be more attention put on him, um, you know, by opposing offenses. So I'm going to lean with what exactly happened last year. I think Isaiah Thomas has an incredible opportunity to put together back-to-back -to -back years of really, really good tape to get a really high draft grade. His body's a better fit for the NFL than what Nick Benito is. So I think there's probably a little more urgency for, um, for Isaiah to prove that he's, you know, just not a, a one-year wonder there. Um, and so I think, you know, Isaiah Thomas is uh, going to lead team in sacks and feel pretty confident in that one. I'm right in the same line of thinking as you guys are. I mean, last year, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, they were neck and neck, like you just said. I think they were th were within either one sack or half a sack for, for that top spot uh, as a sack leader on the football team. But, guys, I think what, what gives me, you know, so much excitement and what I think is going to give <laughs> opposing teams' offensive coordinators so much – uh, so much grief and so much, you know, cause for concern is I think it's with the emergence of guys like Perry on Winfrey and Jalen Redmond being back on the interior. One of those guys is going to demand a double team uh, pretty much every snap. So I think between Isaiah Thomas and Benito, it's essentially going to be a race to see which guys are going to win their one-on-one -on -one matchup on the outside. Um, so with that being said, I think I'm going to go with Nick Benito. I think that he's poised to have an Eric Stryker type here. Or he is more disruptive. You know, he's not just essentially 
cleaning things up or he's getting a sack because the quarterback got forced into him because of pressure on the interior. I think you're going to see him, you know, improve his one-on-one uh, t- technique against the offensive tackle. And I think you're going to see a big year out of Nick Benito, but guys, this front seven, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Sleeper pick here, guys, Marcus Stripling, uh, limited action last year, but was fourth tied for fourth in, in sacks. So keep an eye out there for potentially him to be, guy who takes a really big step up this season, maybe feeds off of the attention that other guys are going to have, and he he may start making some plays. So just food for thought there. Keep an eye out there. Corbin, would you have still said Isaiah Thomas if you knew he was suspended for the first game or the first half of the first game? Because that, that was a differentiator for me is like, I don't know if he's going to be suspended for what happened in the offseason, but... I'll err on the side of Nick Benito. Yes and no, but like if this if this team is as good as we think they are, how much is Nick Benito going to be playing against Tulane? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, or Western Carolina. I don't know. Uh, so you might rack I, up the stats, though. Potentially. In the first half, yeah. It's, it's all potential. Um, and I'll use that as an asterisk if I'm wrong. Uh, but besides that, no. I'm going to stick with my pick. Um, but I don't think he'll be suspended. I don't. I don't think everything that happened there is enough for suspension. Maybe a quarter. I think he'll just spend a lot of early mornings running with Benny Wiley. Um, that's the uh, I think that's the type of discipline that he'll get. But no, um, you know we saw the spread come out twenty one and a half points, so he's a favorite against Tulane. But uh, don't sleep on Tulane. I think that that's got a chance to be a uh, sneaky good game, and I think that's definitely going to be OU's toughest non conference game on the schedule this year. I agree. So um, they run the the triple option basically from the spread. So linebackers are going to be really key there which leads into tackling. Uh, usually your linebacker is going to be one of your leading tacklers. There's a lot of different routes you could go for this one. Uh, I guess we'll start with Corbin on this one. Who do you think is going to lead the team in tackles this year? I've got Delarian Turner, Turner Yell. And knowing that Tulane is going to be running the triple option, seeing what happened a couple of years ago when Army came and ran the triple option, and seeing like the tackle numbers from the safety position, goodness gracious. That makes me very confident. But DTY is a guy who I genuinely think – a bigger safety likes to get downhill not you know afraid of going making the hits and making the plays and so he was second i believe on the team last year behind brian osamoa um and i feel confident that you know another year in grinch's system uh and if there's a guy heading into this year especially on the defensive side of the ball and especially in the secondary is there anyone that maybe has more confidence from grinch in DTY, I don't know. Um, so I think um, I think he probably takes another step forward, um, and that's who I'd put my money on if I was saying um, who was going to lead this defense in tackles. I wanted to go David Aguebu, given the fact that he wasn't a guy that played linebacker uh, all the way up until he essentially got moved to that position when he got to OU. But I can't. I can't go away from Brian Osmoa. I mean, he led the team in tackles in 2020. I think that he kind of saw the impact and the jump that Kenneth Murray was able to make throughout his career at OU. And we've all seen the Benny Wiley videos. This this is a guy that, you know, he's taking his time during the offseason in the weight room. He's changed up his body. I think he's poised to have a really big year. Um, so give me Brian Osamoa at that middle linebacker position. I think he's uh, I think he leads the team in tackles this year. But I love the DTY pick. Yeah, I think Osamoa is going to really have a big year. Um, I just think that the linebackers rotate way too much. I mean, Deshaun White is is a solid guy as well. Um, Caleb Kelly's coming back. I would absolutely be thrilled if Caleb Kelly could lead the team in tackles. That would be awesome. But I think DeLaren Turniel, like you mentioned, Corbin, he's the guy that really isn't going to come off the field too much. 
he's solid. He's not going to be the most spectacular player, but um, there's still not enough uh, depth confidence really at safety position and DT wise, you know, going to be solid. So he's going to be involved in a lot of plays and have a lot of opportunities for tackles. So I think he's going to be the leader there. Uh, which kind of brings us right into interceptions. We had a lot of guys leave Trey Brown, Trey Norwood um, had multiple interceptions last year. So it's a lot of interesting talent uh, still on the table here, but not a lot of stats coming in. So uh, I guess we'll start with Tyler on this one. Who do you got? That's going to lead the team in interceptions. Yeah. Interceptions is one category that I want to see Alex Grinch and Roy Manning's groups take another big step this fall. I mean, like you said, Adam, they only had 16 interceptions a year ago and nine of those interceptions are either in the NFL right now or they're playing in Washington. So uh, for my pick, we've talked about this guy a lot towards the end of last season and especially in the spring. I'm going to go with DJ Graham. I think that with how good our defensive line should be this year, we should be getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback to, to maybe force some errant throws. And I like DJ the best out of all our options at corner. Woody Washington's another really good one. Obviously, we all remember what he did in the Texas game, but uh, I like DJ's versatility, his length, and his speed. Um, I think that DJ has a chance to um, possibly be the uh, highest drafted uh, corner that we've had come out of Oklahoma and I guess, since what, Derek Strait? Yeah, potentially ever. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. DJ Graham was my pick as well echo every single thing Tyler said. He's got an opportunity really to kind of submit himself on that side of the ball and in that position this year. A lot of expectations, I think, on him this year, healthy ones. Uh, So we'll see how he handles that. But yeah, I mean, um, if he can continue to improve and and make the strides he's he's made so far uh, during his time in Norman, yeah, he should should be able to lead the team in interceptions. Last category, but I think it's going to be the first time that we are all in agreement here. I'm going to go with DJ Graham as well. I like Woody Washington a lot. Uh, The playing experience is great there. He was injured in the spring, so I just wonder if he'll be completely healthy at the start of the season and if that slows him down at all. DJ Graham, I love his size. Uh, I mean, the dude is, he looks like he's 6'4". He's not that tall, but he looks huge out there as a cornerback. So I think he's going to be able to really, um, you know, uh, make some wide receivers and some quarterbacks very unhappy. Uh, I would love to... I would love to go with Billy Bowman too. I think he's got some potential, but I just wonder how many times he'll be in pass coverage versus run support there. I think he's, I think you're starting Nickelback and that's exactly what I was going to say. Adam is, you know, if uh, obviously I feel good about DJ Graham, but if there's a guy that I think could be the number two, uh, have the number two spot in that category, seeing the way that this guy played at Denton Geyer. And then uh, obviously we've heard so many really good things about from the coaching staff about him. Um, he's going to have a lot of chance to make plays. We all know about Buki, you know, in that nickelback position, he was around the football a lot. Um, and I think a guy like Billy Bowman, I think he's poised to have a big year and would not surprise me to to see him number two or three, uh, leading that statistical category. Yeah. I think it's just going to be tough because I think it's easier to intercept the ball outside the hash marks and Bowman's going to be covering a lot of stuff inside the hash marks means less reaction time, bigger receivers to cover. So, um, it's going to be a lot tougher in my opinion there. But also at the same time, too, more tip balls in the middle of the field. And also, what does a quarterback like to do when he gets under pressure? His, his immediate uh, immediate first thought is looking up the middle, you know, just throwing it up, getting the ball out of my hands. So we'll see. Um, it worked, yeah. worked for Trey Norwood last year, five True. interceptions. So maybe you're, maybe you're on to something there, Tyler. Um, well, that'll wrap up our, our stats uh, exam, I guess, for the evening. 
we may revisit some of those here at the end of the season. Uh, but we did want to cover a Mount Rushmore because we haven't done one in a little while. So uh, we're going to do mascots, and I believe we're sticking to just college mascots here. Uh, we did not determine an order for the draft before this. I don't think Corbin's gone first in a while. Corbin, would you like to go first? And then, I'd love uh, to go first. Go first. Yeah. And Tyler, would yeah. you, do you want second or do you want third here? Uh, I'll go second. Let's give the, right. uh, let's give the host the third pick. <laughs> the third yeah. pick. For those, anybody who is new with us to kind of explain Rushmore and what we do here. So uh, definitely 100% stealing this from part of my take. No shame about it whatsoever. Uh, but we choose a topic. We each go in order. Snake draft, basically, of picking our top choices. Once an order is off the board or a pick is off the board, no one else can use it. And we, you know, at the end, hopefully have uh, a guy who stands far and above uh, the other rest picks. Typically, that's me. But that's fine. We don't need to go into that uh, too much tonight. So first pick, guys. Easiest pick in the world. That's Puddles, the Oregon Duck. Uh, he is my number one pick. Uh, there is may not be a better ESPN cameo from like 10 years ago from when Puddles was sitting in the office and he's just like looking outside of the pond with all the other ducks. Uh, just phenomenal. I think he's great. Uh, so, yeah, Puddles, the Oregon Duck, is 100% my number one pick. But I'm really curious, guys, because best mascot can mean a lot of things. So I'm super curious to kind of see how you all describe your favorite. But Tyler, up to you on your first one. It's definitely open to interpretation on this. But number one for me, um, I'm going LSU. I'm going Mike the Tiger. The fact that you've got a live wild tiger as the actual mascot. I know he's not on the sideline for games, but he is on campus. He is part of that facility. So give me Mike the Tiger uh, from LSU for my number one pick. Interesting. I didn't have either of those on my list at all. Um, so I, it is very subjective to whatever, you know, your view is. And it's tough to kind of separate the team and the hate that you have for maybe that particular team and the mascot. Cause that was me for Oregon. Like I still have not forgiven them for 2006, even though technically wasn't their fault, but it's not Puddle's fault. Yeah. Let's not, not punish fault. the duck at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so I have back-to-back -back picks here. Um, uh, Tyler, you're going to be mad at me and call me biased, but I'm going to go with Sparty right off the bat here. Uh, absolute classic. I mean, how could you not love a Spartan? Uh, it's just it's just a, a classic there. Um, so overrated. I didn't even put that one on here. It's a new Adam. That's Adam's first pick. <laughs> uh, my second one, I'll do this to just to be mean to you, Corbin. I'm going to grab Ralphie. I mean, the, the Buffalo. That is... Uh, Pretty cool. It's too bad that Colorado is not much better than they are now because that tradition of him running onto the field to start every game. I don't know how they stop a Buffalo <laughs> from running at the at the end of that, but it's just a shame that that doesn't get shown more in big time games. And uh, so get get your act together, Colorado. Oh, dang, that sucks. Because Ralphie was actually the one that I had next on my big board. So we'll go ahead and rule that one out. Uh, this one's kind of a tough one for me. There's a couple different ways I could go with this. Um, I'm going to go back to SEC country. I'm going to go to Georgia. I'm taking Uga, the Bulldog. There's probably, I mean, I'm not going to give away another pick right now, but there's probably not a more spoiled mascot in college sports right now. The fact that not only is he on the sidelines, but he has a house. And also Rev inside that house, he, huh? Revelry is way more spoiled than Uga. I've got Revelry on there too, but that's that's somebody that I had a little bit later. Was hoping to to be able to get that pick in, but no. I mean, the fact that Uga, not yeah. only does he have a doghouse on the sideline, he lays on a bag of frozen ice inside the doghouse. So I not, mean, he not, has to. He would he would die in that heat, honestly. Yeah, he I to. could live that life. That sounds pleasant. 
yeah, stay away from Longhorns. You'll be okay. <laughs> uh, my second pick is available, and that's the Stanford tree. Um, oh, my God. I But here's why, guys. I don't understand it. It is one of the more captivating mascots because I literally don't understand why it's a tree, why the tree looks that way. It captivates me in all the wrong ways, and that's why I have to pick it. Um, so the Stanford tree is my uh, my number two pick um, on a very uh, – I'll wait on that one because I think it's going to be available, actually. Um, I'm going to go for round three, pick one, Aubie the Tiger from Auburn. Um, I like Aubie a lot. It's well known in the mascot community. He's always one of like the top performers. Um, you know, when it comes time to kind of rank those mascots. So Obby's great. Shout out to uh, Eli and Alicia from the marketing department. I know you guys love Obby being Auburn grads. So shout out to you all. That's my third pick. Nice. Uh, for this one here, God, I'm I'm gonna go back to the state of Texas. But which school do I want to go with here? I can't stand both of them. Can't stand Baylor. both of their fan bases. <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like Baylor. Uh, but no, um, I'm, I'm going to Austin now. It, I, like I said, hate the school. It's our biggest rivalry, but you got to respect the mascot. You got to respect that. It's a, it's a full grown longhorn on the sidelines. I've set behind him up close and personal set row one at the cotton bowl on the Texas side. I'll never forget that. Uh, but no, the, I know that he's heavily sedated and heavily medicated during his time on the sideline, but that's that's badass to me to have a Longhorn on the sideline. So I'm going Bevo at Texas. This is interesting. Uh, Avi the Tiger was the only one on my list that has been taken so far by someone else, um, <laughs> which I do I do love that pick. It kind of is Calvin and Hobbsy, uh, so I love that. Um, so I've got my full my full slate here, um, and I've got two picks to round out my team. I think I'm gonna go with. Chief Osceola, if, I'm, Ooh, great if I'm saying that right, uh, from Florida State. I mean, the the flaming spear uh, thrown into the 50-yard line on the uh, the painted horse. That that's is a, so that's cool. That's in the third round. That's that a is great an absolute steal. You're right, yeah. I mean, the tradition, the uh, the heritage, and just the, like, the coolness and the fear that that, you know, invokes in the opposing team. That's pretty awesome. So um, that is an absolute steal in the third round. For my my fourth and final pick, there's a couple that I like here. I'm going to go uh, – I, I want to go off the radar, but I don't think I can do that. I think I'm going to have to go with another really good one. Uh, Vili, the Hawaiian warrior. He does the haka dance before every game. Uh, very similar to Chief uh, Osceola in, in regards to just – the aura and and what he brings there. Uh, it's too bad that Hawaii's not that great at football anymore because that's another tradition that doesn't, you know, get seen a whole lot and they play super late at night. But uh, what do you mean anymore? Like when, when was Hawaii? Like <laughs> oh, when, when like Cole Brendan was there in 07, they went to the Sugar Bowl. RIP. Yeah. RIP. Yeah. No. And Tyler? also for all of our listeners, if you follow our social media account on Twitter at the mainline pod one, Adam is set to release a video of himself doing the Hawka dance sometime That's next true. week. So keep an eye out for yeah. that. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, back to me, Adam, all your picks were safe with me, man. I, I was not at risk of taking any of yours outside of Ralphie, but a um, couple different ways I could go with this. 
I'm I'm sticking close to home. Call me a homer, but it's it's Boomer and Sooner for me. It's the ponies. You know, they're sometimes a little bit lazy. Now I'll go ahead and chalk that up to the fact that OU scores so many damn points. They get a lot of running in on this on the uh, on the field. Let's keep the wagon. You know, all four on the floor. Uh, but no, I'm going Boomer Sooner, the ponies um, here in Norman, Oklahoma. Do we are do we underappreciate them because they're ours? Because to me, it's not like the coolest thing ever. But I think a lot of other people really like it. I think they're kind of like majestic in a way, I guess. Like they're not really intimidating. They're not livestock. I mean, yeah. like, like you said, I mean, it's like it's it's a pony. So it's like, like you said, it's a majestic horse or a majestic yeah. horse. So there's a l- little bit more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, they're, they're ponies. Uh, it is what it is. Um, well, I mean, I have half my picks still um, posted up here. Um, I'm going to go back to the weirdness category. Um, and that's Big Red from Western Kentucky. Um, they're called the Hilltoppers. I don't know what that is. And they basically have a mascot of just like a red blob. I don't understand it, but it intrigues me. I think it's awesome. Um, and so that's how I'm going to round out my top four is with big red from Western Kentucky. Also guys, some like honorable mentions for anybody that played NCAA 14 and were playing in mascot games. I don't know if you guys ever did that. Oh yeah. Uh, playing with the leprechaun, uh, with Notre Dame was the best <laughs> ever because you had like these five foot guys that ran at 99 speed and would lay out everybody. Um, and so anytime I played mascot games, like the leprechaun was by far one of my top choices. What else you got from, from honorable mentions, Tyler, anything? I think Smokey Uh, from Tennessee, the dog is, is a great mascot. Um, cocky from South Carolina. I think, I think South Carolina's, um, pregame stuff is one of the coolest in college sports. And he's got a big role in that. So that was another one for me. Um, Brutus, the Buckeye, we can go on and on. There's tons of honorable mentions on my end. Yeah, only two that I had were Brutus and Reveille at Texas A&M. Interesting, uh, Traveler, the Trojan from USC, not on the list. Mm-hmm. I didn't go with him because it was a little redundant with Sparty, um, or Sparky. No, Sparty. I was thinking Sparky. I have Sparty and Sparky on my list, Sparky being the eagle from Liberty. Um, I also had the Auburn eagle, which is kind of a mascot, but that's a cool tradition before the games. See, um, I, th- I, I wanted to put him on my list, but he's not a mascot. Like that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I don't, is- and I don't understand, like, obviously we would have to get an Auburn grad or an Auburn fan on here to talk about it. But I mean, you've got, you've got the tiger, you know, you know, you've got Aubie the tiger, but you also have an Eagle that flies down. I, I just, I don't understand it, but it's pretty, wasn't, pretty damn cool. Wasn't in that historic, like, wasn't there a game, like an Eagle came and flew over the stadium or something yeah. or something like that. Probably, that brought uh, like, yeah. the Eagle side of things, but I don't know the yeah. story. Behind it. It's either that or a tiger wandered in somewhere. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Where the yeah the it was the Eagles it was the Auburn Eagles and then yeah. they changed because of Tiger walking. <laughs> That's one true. Of the two. Yeah, could have been anything. <laughs> the uh, the last honorable mention I had on here was uh, Gaylord the Camel, which is uh, from Campbell uh, Camels. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the school that I actually went to my freshman year, and I was just like, it's unique. No one else is the Camels. That's kind of cool. Almost threw that in as my fourth pick, but obviously Tyler would just slapped at me, so I did. Well, I mean, I. Oh, obviously, we'll let the listeners decide when we put the poll up on on Twitter. But I think that it is a clear cut favorite on who the number one uh, Mount Rushmore is out of this group. 
Well, no more to be said there. So I think that's a wrap for the evening. We'll leave it up to the Twitter poll. Find us on Twitter there at the mainline pod one. And uh, be sure to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we will see everyone again next week.